Hello there, this interview that you're about to hear was originally done by me, Sam Roscoe or Chris Prince for the Blue Moon podcast sometime between 2009 and now. That means if there's anything that sounds a bit out of date or if there's anything that's an obvious topic that we've not asked the guest about, it's probably because the interview is from a long time ago. This show is basically the Blue Moon podcast interview archive. All of the new interviews that we do with former City players and managers will go live on the Blue Moon podcast first, so if you like what you hear then please go and subscribe to that and there's a new show every Friday with a look at everything on and off the pitch for City. But for now enjoy the end of this generic recorded message and enjoy the interview with the person whose name is in the title of this episode. I'd been sort of made my mind up I was I was going to leave Portsmouth um, once Jim Smith had been sacked as manager. Um, I've been there for like eight years. Um, I was linked with a few clubs, talked to Sheffield Wednesday, a um, couple of other clubs, Blackburn I was linked with. Um, but the actual move to City sort of came a bit out of the blue, so to speak. I, would, I played the first game of the season for Portsmouth because obviously the championship started a week before the Premier League. So we had a home game at Fratton Park. I came home from the game, we'd, we'd won. Um, I was obviously all quite pleased with myself. And then um, got a phone call from Alan Ball. Um, City had played their last pre-season friendly, which I think was against Hearts, and they lost 5-0. Um, and he phoned me up that night, just said, listen, I want to make changes. I want to." Um, sort of bring in reinforcements, can you come up on Monday? And and that was it, really. So I jumped on a plane Monday morning, met Matt Borley in Platte Lane at the training ground and, and sort of signed straight away. So I, I travelled up with a with a toothbrush, I think, and that was about it, and, and didn't go back um, to Portsmouth for quite, quite a few weeks after that. So it was all a little bit of a whirlwind and uh, all happened quite quickly. In terms of, uh, I mean, obviously you were you were club captain at City for a while. Were you offered the captaincy straight away? No, no. Well, I, obviously I signed in the Premier League and um, it was a big transitional time, obviously. I think people can see that now um, at the club at the time. And a lot of players were leaving, but there were still quite a few established senior pros there. So Curly, Keith Curl. Um, was captain at the time, so he he stayed on as captain. And people like obviously Niall Quinn was there as well. Um, so a lot of good experience, sort of senior pros, Terry Phelan, Peter Beagley, players like this. Uh, although, like I say, the changes were certainly afoot at the time. I was going to say the uh, the start of that ninety five ninety six season. I mean, as a new signing, it probably couldn't have gone much worse, could it? <laughs> Well, the first game, I mean, we you know we played Tottenham at Main Road and drew one all, and I thought you know that's, we're we're sort of quite a competitive side. We seemed like there was a, a, a you know decent nucleus of senior players there, um, but yeah, like I said, pretty much after that, it, it it was it was a real slog, and obviously we didn't win for what was it twelve, thirteen games, whatever it was in the end. I can't remember, and it was it was very very tough. Um, but I, I don't think I felt it initially quite as much as most other people because I was new into it. Uh, so I was still very much finding my feet with the, the football club and uh, and the city in general and, and things like that. So I don't think I, I sort of had the, the doom and gloom and the, the weight on my shoulders quite as much as a lot of other people with the club who'd been there for quite a long time um, did. So... Yeah, it was, it, it, but it's, you know, soon after after a while, it sort of starts to hit you, and you you get the magnitude, the size of the club, and um, 
obviously with being a, a sort of two club city, you then get the, the papers. It's all about City or United, literally, and um, there's there's lots of stuff always going on. And then, so I, I did appreciate it pretty quickly, just how tough it was it was going to be. In terms of uh, of trying to turn those results around, I mean, what what was Alan Ball saying in the dressing room when it when uh, as the bad results just kept coming in that opening of the season? Because the second half of the season, the form really did turn around. Yeah, it did, and he was. Um, I mean, like, like I say, a lot of the games, even in that initial run where we couldn't get a win, a lot of the time we weren't sort of playing particularly bad. It's just things were going against us. We weren't getting any luck. We picked up a few injuries, so it's, it's one of those. And I've been in situations subsequently, both as a player and as a manager, when when things are not going your way, you know, it becomes a, a real sort of downward spiral and it's hard to turn it around. But like you say, the, the form did improve over the second half of the season and the actual results, more importantly, but obviously not not quite enough, you know, we missing out on the final day. Yeah, I mean, when you when you look at, at that run, I mean, the, the the games that I think spring out to a lot of City fans were were it was it was two trips to Anfield in the October back to back, a four nil and a six nil. At, at that point, I mean, are you almost wondering what have I let myself in for it? Um, I, I knew it was tough. I mean, also those those two games, although like I say, they're both heavy score lines, were very very different. The the, four, the, the, the cup game in the midweek, we actually played well. Um, and for for quite a long part of that game, we were the better side, to be perfectly honest. And this is how bizarre football can be sometimes. So on the back of it, it was a heavy defeat, uh, and we got knocked out of the cup. But the performance was decent, and so we were then back at Anfield on the Saturday in the league. And Borley was like, "Listen, play. Obviously, we don't want to concede the same number of goals, but play similar to what you did the other night, and you're going to be all right because you played really well at a tough place, Anfield against a good Liverpool side." You'd be okay, but then obviously the Saturday game was just a total disaster. We got absolutely steamrolled by Liverpool on the day, um, and it was that was that was a real low point, to be perfectly honest. The let us say the one the one in the cup, the midweek, we sort of took that on the chin because okay, we knocked out of the cup, but we we had played reasonably well, and like I say, for for long parts of it, we were the better side. Um, but the, yeah, the the Saturday game was was a total disaster, and. Uh, yeah, for me, that was probably one of the one of the lowest points for me at City. When when it comes to to the end of that season, obviously the the, the final day. Um, what just talk me through what 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 happened on the pitch that day? Because it's it's it, in many ways it's an extraordinary story. Uh, David, I can't. I still to this day don't quite know what went on that final day. Obviously, we, we went into the last game, Liverpool, uh, Main Road. Knowing we we were on the same points as Coventry and Southampton, um, but they both had better goal difference than us, so we knew we had to better either one of their results um, to stay up. It was as simple as that going into the final day. So we sort of knew what we had to do, um, and then obviously we go a couple of goals down quite early on. And again, it's you can feel the weight sort of lifting, and then um, we get a goal back, and then and then I score the equaliser to make it 2-2. Uh, and then at this stage, somehow, and again, it was, obviously, this is back in 95, whatever, 96. And so, uh, you know, mobile phones were about, but not to the same levels as they are today. And But somehow we were getting information was being fed 
to, to the manager to get fed onto the pitch that a draw was enough for us. Because I remember, you know, everyone's seen the Lomi, Stevie Lomas sort of killing time on the on the touchline, trying to trying to run the clock down. Um, when the the reality was we needed to score another goal. We needed to win the game to stay up. But the misinformation somehow. Then I can remember Quinny, who I think he must have been injured, Quinny or suspended, um, sort of running down the stairs. Somehow he'd found out we needed to win and he's given information we need to try and score another goal. So it was. it's all still to this day, like I say, I, I can't tell you exactly what happened, how it happened or why it happened, but it was it, it was horrific. I know that. And obviously at the final whistle then, I, I can't remember one of the games, I think it was a Coventry one, was a delayed kickoff. So we're sitting in the tunnel at Main Road, not knowing if we're up or down and we're still waiting to hear the, the final results. We knew something had drawn, um, but we didn't know the, the other result. And we were waiting on that. And it was, it was a hot, it felt like ages. It was probably five, six minutes or something. We were waiting in the tunnel, but it felt like an eternity. And then obviously we got the news that, um, that yeah, that the result hadn't gone our way and, and we were relegated. I was going to say, with, with the, the Duff information getting to the pitch, the, there must have been a spell where you thought your goal had, had been enough to keep City up. Well, there was, and you try, like I say, you try and stay focused and things like this. But, you know, I, I've equalised and it does flash through your mind, you know. this I, I could have been sort of like the hero on the final day and, that you know, my goal had, had kept City in the Premier League sort of thing. So that does flash through your mind. But then you try and put that out of your mind and focus on on finishing the game. But, I, you know, I'll be honest, it did, it did sort of flash through and... You sort of can't help it in those situations, and um, yeah, what could have been type thing is um, obviously things didn't then quite pan out as I would have wanted, either for the for the club or for myself. Yeah, how how was the dressing room after that game? Because it, it I mean, it, it's a roller coaster of emotions that has ended badly. Yeah, it was it was horrific. It was. Um, yeah, I mean, people. Yeah, people tell stories about changing rooms after games, but and it's hard. It's very, very difficult to describe until you've actually sort of experienced it and been been part of it. It's very difficult to describe. Obviously, it was a very sombre dressing room, and everyone's got their own personal feelings and what's going through their mind personally. But then you, you look at the bigger picture. Certainly, I did for the for the, the club and the supporters and what it means to all these other people as well. You've, you know, you feel you've let different sections of, you know, people down, family, friends, the, you know, the supporters, the football. It's horrible. It's, it's, and, but like I say, it is very difficult to describe unless you've actually been through it and, and experienced it yourself. Now, listen, as, as fans, it, it's horrible, you know, I'm, I'm sure, but it's, um, it's different to when you're actually a, a player. And now the, the people, um, you know, some people say footballers don't care and things like that. Well, well, trust me, a lot of, most footballers in my case do care deeply. Now, sometimes they care about themselves maybe more than the, the actual football club that, that, that pays their wages and, and the supporters that turn up every week. But they care deeply. Now, Certainly in that change room, there was very mixed emotions and everyone was, was feeling it for their own, their own different reasons or whatever. And it was, 
it was just a horrific place to be. And I remember the, the following night we had play of the year do. So you just are turning up for that. And the fans, City fans, as you know, are, in, are incredible. But I think, and, and they've had obviously so much success in recent years. And, I, I, you know, I couldn't wish it on a better better club or a better group of supporters. But And City fans have been brilliant. And I'm, I'm sure they've really enjoyed that success. But I think City fans really show their true colours and come to their own in, in diversity in tough times. And I've got to say that it was horrible having to turn up for the play of the year do the following night. But the City, City supporters were brilliant. Absolutely different class. I was going to say that the following season, um, obviously, I mean, a couple of games in, Alan Ball resigns and uh, and that kind of everything goes up in the air again. How how is it to to be playing in a club where there's so much off the pitch pressure? Well, it was it, it was a club in turmoil for so many different reasons, and at the time, I didn't didn't fully understand again, what was going on behind the scenes, but so many players were leaving, the turnaround of players, the turnaround of managers and staff. Um, the whole thing was, it was just a traumatic time at the football club. And it was, um, you know, we, as, as a group of players, you try and just focus about you doing your training and then your match day, but you can't but help but pick up um, the the, vibe, the feeling and the vibe around the club, around the city, and and the pressure of what's going on, and I think certainly so many changes and, and all that pressure it, it massively affected us. What was it? What was it like when you heard that that Steve Coppel had left? I mean, he, he was only there for for a month or so, and then and then suddenly he's gone as well. Yeah, that was a massive blow. So, I mean, he came in cops and was was very popular uh, with the players. Uh, we liked the way he worked. Um, again, he seemed like a, like a sort of steady pair of hands, a real good guy, someone who I've, I know quite well. Um, and it was just such a, a blow. And a, a, But it sort of summed up what was happening around the club at, at that time. And um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was such a shame because like I say, I really felt, Steve, Steve's certainly a very good manager and I think he would have been good for City um, had he stayed. And the players were, you know, it was only there six weeks, but we were sort of buying into his methods and and what he wanted to do. Um, and we, we, we all believed in it. So it was such a, a, a real sort of blow and a shame when, when he left. Why, why do you think in such a, a kind of a, a short spell there, nobody was able to really get the best out of that squad? Because, I mean, when you when you look at some of the players in that squad, there were some good players there. It, it was, I mean, at one time, I think during, probably during that second season, um, and certainly, I think you're probably halfway through that second season, we're looking to train. We had like 50-odd pros um, at one stage. And it was, so it was a huge number of players, a massive squad. But it was almost, it became, and, and you're looking around, it's almost like a mishmash of players rather than an assembled squad. Where you you know you're buying the right players for the club in the right positions, and it's it was just almost a jumble of players. It looked like so an awful lot of good players, like you say, but then picking a, a good balanced team for what was now the championship was certainly very difficult to do, um, and it proved difficult for for several managers, as we know. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, you hinted at it there. The, the second season, uh, again, another relegation fight. And, uh, I, I mean, first off, the, the QPR game at Main Road, what, what are your memories of that? Because that was another extraordinary day. Yeah, I mean, they, they <laughs> the, the crazy games and the, the sort of tough things that happened almost blend into one, <laughs> to be perfectly honest, because... It was becoming like a regular thing that just, you know, crazy stuff was happening in and around the football club on a match day, at training. And it was just a bizarre time. Um, and like I say, you, you look at things that happen maybe once once in your career or something like that. And these, these sort of occurrences and freak goals against us or whatever were, were happening all the time on, on quite a regular basis. And it was it was really tough. It, it was it was really hard to 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 deal with it and cope with it and sort of keep positive because that's what you've got to do. Um, but that they, they were real testing, trying times. If I'm honest, what what was that main road atmosphere like to play in at that stage? Because I, as a fan, as, as a young fan at the time, I remember that being it was. I remember it being quite hostile at times towards the players. Yeah, well, it was, and it's the closest I've experienced to that. Uh, since would be when I was working at Sunderland uh, as assistant with, with Chris Coleman and the, the atmosphere at the stadium of light. Again, great supporters and they'd turn up in big numbers, but it was almost, there, there was, I suppose, you could you could almost call it toxic. It was like, it was a real tough atmosphere. And like I say, the players, the fans wanted, wanted the team to win, but they sort of almost, I think, turned up knowing things weren't going to go our way. And then the players sort of felt that and we we almost felt things weren't going to go our way as much as, as hard as we tried and as much as we wanted it to. You, you get this niggling thing at the back of your mind. So City fans, like I say, in adversity, were brilliant for turning up in numbers. Um, but the main road atmosphere was, it, it was really tough. And it was strange because then the away support was incredible. But that was a lot more. Uh, you got you got more sort of positive vibes for whatever reason from from the away games uh, with with our support, our fans, um, than we did at home. So it's difficult to explain. But like I say, I, I've experienced a similar thing again at, at the Stadium of Light with Sunderland, and um, again, unfortunately, it was the same outcome. But it ends up, you know, you get you get on that downward spiral then, and um, you know, unfortunately, ultimately ends in in relegation. I was going to talk about the uh, the win at Stoke on the final day because uh, was it? Did you know at that point when even though the goals were going in that it that it wasn't enough? Uh, yeah, I think I think as as the game went on, again that, that sort of sums us up. I and mean, we go and batter Stoke final day of the season away from home, and you're thinking, what you know, why is that not been happening consistently all season? Because that's that's what we were capable of doing. You know, we had like I said, we had some good players. Um, it's just, like I say, it sort of summed it up, if you like, the fact, you know, even the relegation on, on, from the Premier League, you know, we draw them in Liverpool at home, start with a draw at Main Road, finish with a draw at Main Road, but the, the stuff in between is just not good enough. Um, and that was a, a case with, and it almost rubbed it in, the fact that we won so convincingly at Stoke on the final day, when we were under pressure, we knew we had to win to have any chance. And we go and do our business on that day, but it's not enough. 
Um, and that, like I say, that did sort of, for me, sum it up a little bit. Um, and it made it, if anything, it made it tougher to swallow and deal with for, for, for me as a, as a player. And I'm, I'm sure... I'm sure for a lot of the supporters as well, you know, you're looking at, at like I say, at some of the players we've got and you're thinking, how can this group of players get relegated from the championship? But like I say, when things, when things are not done right at a football club, um, off the pitch as well, as well as on the pitch, then unfortunately it, it becomes very difficult and, and, and quite often it does end in a, a relegation. We've seen other, you know, massive clubs, not just, not just City, who have suffered relegation to to the Championship and, and League One. It, you know, it's, it's happened too many times. If yeah. things are not done right, you know, it just sort of spirals out of control, doesn't it? It's that's the that that's that's the issue that that kind of sets in. Um, I, I just want to I want to ask about Georgie King Clancy as well because he's he's a player now. When you look at, at the talent that City have got in in the squad now, he, he, I suppose he's one that that could almost go forgotten about in in, in City's history. What what was he like to play with? Uh, no, I don't. To be fair, I don't think Georgie will ever be forgotten with City fans. I mean, he signed at exactly the same time as me, and we were staying uh, in Motcham Hall together for the first few months um, as we were sort of settling in and finding our feet. And he's, he's a smashing guy, Georgie, real good lad. I had a lot of time for him, and was an incredible player. Uh, great, to, probably the best I've ever seen running with the ball at pace. He, he was actually quicker running with the ball, Georgie, than he was running without the ball. Um, to be fair, he didn't often run without the ball. So, um, but he, he was a phenomenal talent. But also, if you know, to be brutally honest with it, he was probably a luxury um, in a team that wasn't good enough to afford a luxury. You know, we, we were... I, you know, looking looking back now, we 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 weren't good enough. Simple as that. And um, you know, to have a like say a, a player of that talent, um, probably wasn't the right fit at the right time. But but that said and done, like I say, I think he's got uh, a legendary place in in city's city fans' hearts, and, and always will do. Because he was a mercurial talent, and and some of the things he could do, some of his dribbling and his beating the players was was phenomenal. How did the the move to Fulham come about in the uh, in the following summer? Right, yeah. Well, I'd um, obviously we'd, we'd suffered relegation, so my contract had had run out. I signed a three year deal when I first first signed for the club. Um, I'd been offered a new contract, um, so I started doing pre season with City. Um, and then sort of a couple of, I just had my first baby as well. Some of my oldest girl was, was, was just born a couple of weeks earlier. And then the club withdrew the contract offer, um, which was quite sort of bizarre and unusual thing to happen. Um, and I, it's one of them, listen, it, it probably wasn't the right way to do things. And, but also I'm, I'm thinking, then, listen, I'm not going to stay somewhere where I'm not wanted. If they've withdrawn the offer, then... You know that's it. I'm I'm going to go. So, yeah, I spoke I spoke to another club that were in the championship. They wanted me to sign, um, and I was all set to sign for them. And then Chris Coleman phoned, phoned me up, who I'd played for Wales under 17s and in the full squad with. So I knew I knew Cookie really well. Uh, he phoned me up, said, "Listen, I'm I'm at Fulham. You know, it's obviously League One, but um, 
we want you to come down and sign. And he put me on the phone to Kevin Keegan, um, who was with him. Kevin said, listen, I've, I've heard you talking to someone else, a league higher than us. Um, but but just come down and give us the time. Before you make a decision, just come and chat with us. And I went down at Fulham, spoke to, to Kevin, met up with Chris. And it just felt right. Um, like I say, it was less money than this other club had offered me. It was a league lower, but it just felt right and like the right move. And um, yeah, it panned out to to be quite a good move in the end. Well, it's it's funny as well the the city connections because not only did uh, I mean Fulham went on to to win the uh, what was what became League One that season, but uh, but Kevin Keegan also then went on to manage City later on in his career as well. What what was he like to work with? Uh, it was brilliant for me, Kevin. It's absolutely tremendous for me. Um, as like a man manager, and I just quick story. I, 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 that's obviously I come from on the back of two. I had two relegations in three years at Man City, um, so I was sort of was the lowest point in my footballing career. And I come into a Fulham team, albeit in League One, the lowest level I'd ever played at. And suddenly, straight from the off, things just start going right. You know where where everything was going wrong before starts going right, and I, I was scoring loads of goals. So we were winning games, keeping clean sheets, playing at the back with, with Cookies, my big mate. And I'm, I ended up scoring 11 goals that season. And um, I think I'd scored like five in about 10 games or something. I was having a real good run. And we're doing training. My team, the three teams, my team's on the outside. So I'm standing on the outside. And Kevin's walking past. And he, uh, he's talking to me as he's walking sort of behind me. He's like, uh, playing well, son, having a bit of a purple patch. I went, yeah, so I'm a bit cocky at the time because things are going really well. I said, yeah, cheers, Gaffer. Yeah, I'm doing all right. And he said, I had a purple patch once and he keeps walking. I went, oh, really? And he went, yeah, mine lasted 15 years. <laughs> and he kept on walking. And I was like, I, I didn't know what to say. He killed me, basically. And what he was saying was, listen, you're doing well, but you haven't done anything. Keep your feet on the ground. And, and for me, that was like brilliant man management. Do you know what I mean? He, he did it in a funny way. He made, so he made me sort of laugh at myself a little bit. Um, and and he, he put things in, you know, he's won European Football of the Year twice, for goodness sake. So I'm, I'm, if, if I'm going to listen to anyone, I'm going to listen to him about purple patches. So, um, yeah, he, he put me right, knocked me down a rung or two, but kept my feet on the ground. And I thought, for me, I thought that was brilliant man management. And uh, he, he was great for me, Kevin. 